Welcome to this week's episode of the Life Group Leader Podcast. I'm Pastor Hayden, one of your hosts, and I'm here with a special guest, Pastor Mike Fabares. So grateful that you joined us on our Life Group Leader Podcast. Yay, it's great to be here. Fantastic. Well, as you guys know, at Compass Bible Church, we exist to make to make disciples of Jesus Christ by reaching people for Christ, teaching people to be like Christ, and training people to serve Christ. And everything we do here at Compass, including this podcast, is to fulfill that mission of reaching, teaching, and training. Well, Pastor Mike, you uh, have wrapped up a couple of teachings this weekend, but this Sunday you had finished up preaching a sermon entitled Married with Bills, Rethinking the Good Life, Rethinking Marriage and Money, uh, and you had a lot of great things to say. Uh, what are your initial thoughts as you're wrapping it up, and what are your hopes for our church uh, as you're leaving us and going back to California in regard to this kind of message? Yeah, you know, the, the message really gets down to the problems of our hearts, wanting things we don't have, being disgruntled and discontented. And I couldn't help but think about uh, that 10th commandment to not covet, um, in part because I just got done writing a book uh, for Moody Publishing on envy, and so much of the study of envy in Scripture takes me back to coveting and that our hearts are just not happy. We're not happy with our marriage. We're not happy with our spouse. We're not happy with our income, our house. And, and we've got to find that peace of contentment uh, to be able to enjoy what God has given us, as Ecclesiastes 5 says, but to be content with what we have. It doesn't mean we're not trying to improve what's going on. Of course, if our marriage is struggling, we'd like it to be better. Mm. Uh, but, you know, when people get to the place where they think, well, my, ne- my marriage is never going to be where it where I want it to be, or, mm. you know, my health is never—trust <laughs> me on this one—my health is never going to be where I want it to be, because aging will ensure that it will never at least sustainably be where you want mm. it to be. So you, you have to come to grips with the fact that uh, we can find a contented— joyful life if we start focusing on the things that matter for eternity. Mm. Uh, I'm going to get through life with a lot of disappointments that uh, don't have to devastate me. Uh, in, in our family life, right, there's a lot of trouble. I, I, there's not one person out there that looks so good on Sunday morning uh, that I know, being in ministry long enough, you could peel back the, the curtain and see all kinds of aches and problems and disappointments. And even as as Pastor Lucas taught in his seminar in our conference, right? There's there's all kinds of desires that when two people have desires that conflict, you got conflict, mm-hmm. but someone's going to have to, as he taught us in that seminar, where we're going to have to peel back our, our, our cravings for the ways I want them to be. Because in the end, we're never going to have what we really want until we are glorified. Mm. And the ultimate desire of the Christian life is to be with Christ. And when we are with Christ and we see him face to face, 1 John 3, Philippians chapter 1, that's going to be far better. That's Mm. going to be where everything is the way it ought to be. And I do think that Christianity in general, uh, at least of late, has lacked that future view of what Christianity is all about, the ultimate hope, the blessed hope of the arrival and the coming of Christ, Mm -hmm. the establishment of his kingdom that I'm supposed to be praying for every day. So I want us, I think, as we discuss this sermon, if I'm thinking about our life group leaders, you know, I, I want them to think about how can we help to get to the place of understanding God's sovereignty in putting us in the situations we're often in. Some of it's changeable, some of it's not. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and we just need to say, God, I want to be able to find that sense of contentment, of knowing Christ, that Christ is going to get me to the eternal kingdom, mm-hmm. and uh, I can find contentment. I can have with Paul the, the assurance that I found the secret of contentment, having a lot or a little, having great or, or, or having small, whatever it is, I, I can get through this life without mm-hmm. that 
just grumbling, percolating, critical, frustrated. I don't have what I want. Mm. And that affects your marriage, affects your parenting, affects everything in your life. That's good. Uh, you touched on it, but imagine you're a life group leader, and I know you've led your fair share of groups. Uh, when it comes to uh, a sermon like this, you know, what would you say to our life group leaders? Uh, it's the most important thing they can do to lead their life groups this week in this. As life as the leaders of their group, what can they do this week that is central and focused on this message that would be the most impactful for their people? Yeah, and that's interesting because so much of what the discussions are in small groups is often, you know, what are the tools so that I can change things to make them the way I want them? And in this case, the change has to happen in our heart. Right, we have to be able to be at rest with things that aren't, uh, you know, changeable. We think they could be changeable; they should be changeable. But to be able to help our participants in a small group, say, what would it take for me to be able to accept what God has given and granted, and that God can give me um, the joy of proceeding through life, fulfilling His purpose, which is ultimately to seek the kingdom, to seek kingdom mm. things. Right. So, in my mind in counseling, and I'm sure you've had so much experience with this too, when you have people coming in where they want everything to serve them the way they desire it to mm. be served, and, and even just getting them, if you can get them to turn their attention to serve and advance God's will in someone else's life for their good, right? When we can put others' interests before ourselves, when we can say, how can I help you in your walk of faith? How can I help you as a non-Christian understand the gospel and come to saving faith in Christ? It just changes everything. Mm. You start worrying about things that, uh, you know, worrying about. You start being concerned, as Paul mm-hmm. said rightly when he did use the word meridzomai, right. anxiety. I have the daily pressure and the anxiety of, of, of pressure of all these churches. Mm-hmm. He cares about other people. And, and I often illustrate it. You probably heard me illustrate it this way when I was a kid. The old uh, uh, Twilight Zone. Uh, they, they had this big eyeball at the intro in, introduction of the show. I would watch my dad. You know, when I come in and, and see him watching the show, and the eyeball that was there blinking, and it was so fake looking. But <laughs> it might, reminds me of how the eyeball of life is always focused on myself mm. naturally. But I get to get my my focus on others. Even if I ask the question in a small group, how can I right be a blessing to someone else this week? Even even in light of the pain I might be feeling of not having what I want in my marriage or my parenting mm-hmm. or my kids, how can I serve? How can I say, I'm going to put my interests back in the back seat and say, how can I move forward God's kingdom agenda in someone else's life? Now, that would be helpful. It's, it's trying to get us to realize it's not just about a therapeutic to make you feel better and, and, and to feel like, how can I put more padding in my life to put up with this life the way that it is? But how can I really find peace that God has got me where he's got me, not just so that I can be comfortable or have a life of of convenience, but Mm -hmm. that I can be useful and serve other people. So I I would think if I'm leading a small group this week in a sermon like that, I want people to see how they can serve, starting with their spouse, starting with their family members, Mm -hmm. starting with extended family members, how to be a blessing in their lives. It really helps me, I think, so often find that the the, the joy that I can have in knowing my life's lot, whatever it might be. And uh, I, I just think if contentment is a, is a hard—it's like joy. You, you kind of find joy not by seeking joy, right? And contentment, you don't find contentment by just trying to grab contentment. It's like there's a pathway of me focusing elsewhere mm-hmm. to say, God, make me useful and, and let me do good in other people's mm-hmm. lives this week. Yeah, it's something that we've noticed here, and in other churches we've served that faithfully. It's like, you know, so many people, they, they want, 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 but and they never invest in other people, 
and what we find uh, the counterintuitive idea that's actually biblical that works is the more you're investing in other people, the more that they have a uh, relationship with you, that they have a, an endearment to you, and you're endeared to them, and you meet each other's needs, and you have then you do that, and it expounds over and multiplies through your church, and it's like everyone loves everybody, like you were talking about in Acts, is yeah. how they cared for one another, met all each other's needs. Well, that was a lot of, like, I'm caring for you, I'm seeing your needs above my needs, and we're going to love each other, uh, and what grounds us into this common unity, this community, is Jesus Christ, and the same way that he didn't count himself more significant than others, the same way that we live. And then when we all do that, though, it seems like all of our needs are taken care of, and we are, even as the series that we've been in in Matthew, kingdom happy. It's right. like we recognize there's something here that's more than what everyone was telling me this life was all about to begin with. And we've got to be careful that, as I quoted at least paraphrase uh, Acts 2 and Acts 4, where everyone's needs were being met, uh, I think we need to be careful of Satan's schemes that we see in chapter 5, that Ananias and Sapphira wanted to be like Barnabas, who was selling his property, giving to people he was others-oriented, and they said, mm. well, we want the glory of being others-oriented. Right. See, think about how selfish that was of Ananias and Sapphira. They wanted like the glory of all that. They were really into trying to be giving for their own good. And, and we can't let Satan trick us into mm-hmm. thinking, okay, I'll do that because I want to be known mm. as that kind of person. See, the real trick, even as Jesus said, not letting our right hand know what our left is doing when we're being generous, it's like, can you do this without having to be known, mm. right? And, and sometimes even people, check this out, you've probably seen this, some people say, well, I have a, a check for so-and-so, but I just want you to give it to them anonymously. Mm. Well, they give it to you as the pastor right. so you can know, right. oh, this person's done this great right. deed. Could you really care about others and giving and be a, a blessing to other people, mm. even if no one knew about it. Right. I mean, just what a great thing that would be, the selflessness of that. And I think there's great joy in that. That's the kind of caring for others mm-hmm. that Barnabas had, but Ananias and Sapphira, they really didn't have it, because mm. they weren't even given all the right. way that, that, that Barnabas was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's good. That's really, really good. Uh, Life Group Leaders, we have uh, some questions that we are going to send out to you guys this week, and and a couple of these uh, worldview questions I'm going to ask you concerning your sermon uh, will be some of the background of y'all's questions that you'll have that you'll go over in your Life Group. So uh, uh, keep uh, watch for those. I'll email those out to you guys this week. But uh, uh, Pastor Mike, as I I listen to your sermon, I'm trying to think, okay, worldview, because that's that's really the foundation of how we're going to have to talk to people in this world right now uh, from a worldview perspective. And I was thinking in your sermon, and I thought I'd like you to compare and contrast materialism from a humanistic worldview and stewardship from a theistic biblical worldview. Could you kind of help us, uh, you know, compare and contrast those two? What's the world going to tell me about materialism versus what is God going to tell me about stewardship, which has a lot of overlap with the things that it is, but way different in its application. Well, there's really two parts of that, I think, that are so distinctive. Uh, One is, as the old beer commercial, at least when I was a kid, used to say, (laughs) is you only go around once in life, grab all the gusto you can, right? And so there's a materialistic worldview that basically says, all I have is this life, Mm. and so I'm going to get all I can out of it. So they have a consumerism because they think it's there is no investing in the next life. Jesus said, hey, don't store up for yourselves treasure on earth. Store up for yourselves treasure in heaven. Well, the worldview difference is we believe there is something beyond this life, and we believe that we can do things in this life that will affect life in eternity, mm-hmm. and that God, 1 Corinthians 3, is going to reward 
things that we do here and sacrifice here, he's going to reward it there. So the first worldview distinction is we don't believe that this life is all there is. Secondly, we believe that the things that we have in this life are not ours, right? We believe that God is a God who has given to us opportunities to utilize what God owns Mm -hmm. and be able to to, to be stewards of that, to, to exercise dominion is to kind of rearrange the things that God has given us under our care. And so, like, if you have a bank account or you have talent or you have energy, you have strength, how can I use those things uh, to to do something that God would be pleased with because it's all his? Mm. Think about your neighbor who has all the stuff that he has, right? For, for him, it's really about, like, this is my stuff, and I have it, and I own it, and I got it by my own power. As Rick Talcott said, and if you were there yeah. for his seminar, right, that we don't acquire these things because of ourselves. We wouldn't be able, our, the synapse in our brain wouldn't even function, wouldn't even fire correctly if God withdrew his favor from us, right? He is not only the creator, but the sustainer of all things. And therefore, I know that everything that God gives me, Everything in your garage really is ultimately how God can see you utilizing those things to bring glory to him. And sometimes Mm. it is you taking your bike for a bike ride, but sometimes it's you lending your bike out. Mm. And Pastor Hayden, you're a great example of this. You and your wife, I mean, you've you've utilized things God has given you in your home. I've watched you do it over the year, year or two. You are you are willing to see that this isn't really my house. Mm. This isn't really my stuff, right? Even the space in your garage, I noticed your garage space has expanded because you've had people store stuff there mm-hmm. if they need it. That perspective isn't just, I want to be known as a nice guy, but I know this house is from the Lord. The stuff in it is from the Lord. The extra bedroom is from the Lord. I'm going to use it to see if I can bless God. And we bless God and glorify God when we bless his people. Mm. Even non-Christians, when they're made in the image of God and we're doing what we can with what God's given us to serve them. So two things to summarize, right? One is they don't see eternity the way we do. And secondly, the worldview issue is we don't own anything, right? We're just, we're utilizing it. It's 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 our creator's stuff. Mm-hmm. We're just using it for a short time for his glory. Yeah, no, that's... It's really, really good, and we're trying to teach our church a lot, especially as we're doing evangelism, that it's it's worldview. We talk about applying the Bible, uh, and what it is is we're living out the worldview of Scripture, uh, because when we look at the world, they're trying to teach you how to apply their worldview, and so it's like it's not just saying, hey, here's how we should do, here's how we should live, here's how we should love, because it would be a good thing. It's like, this. no, this is the, the real-world application of what we believe, and so it's not optional, as a lot of times we think, well, I'm going to apply this. It's an option that I can add on to my life. But it's no, it's actually just the outworking of the of your view and your understanding of our world, given God's re- revelation of himself to us. And uh, when, we, when, we not, when we don't, then we are uh, then just a byproduct of the, uh, the postmodern world that we live in, or if you lived 100 years ago, uh, that time period or 100 years from now, you're just going to live according to those values. Uh, but we got to make sure that we're living according to a biblical worldview with God's values in mind. And, and that's so hard for people if you think about it, because if they buy the world's worldview, the mindset of the world, they come in and hear a sermon from you on the weekend, or they go to a life group and they hear something, and, and they try to fit it in to their worldview, and the parts that don't fit, they just chuck those parts. Mm. And, and so that's when this pick-and-choose potpourri of you know cafeteria-style Christianity ends up being nothing more than some kind of shellac, some kind of, of paint over the top of a, of a secular worldview. Mm-hmm. 
right? We need to be thoughtful about saying when we become Christians, we are replacing our entire view of reality, hmm. right? That we are now admitting we're not God, that there is a God, that he's created us, that he's revealed himself, that he gives us his instructions. Mm-hmm. I mean, those are huge paradigm shifts, and that's why it's a whole life response. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people go to church to add a couple little tips, but they mm-hmm. pick and choose as though we're just flipping through books in the library. Right. But this is God's instruction to us. It changes everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so much, so much more we can talk about. I mean, when you talk about worldview, there's, I mean, that's every single thing that we do and think uh, comes from our understanding of God's Word. And so, uh, you know, at 20, 25 minutes, there's not enough time to talk about all those things. Uh, but another question, when it comes to money, marriage, the good life, uh, let's go to the, the worldview of postmodernism. Okay, how are we, uh, how are we to uh, understand the postmodern idea of things, money, and marriage, uh, and then we can, again, go back to the biblical worldview, but why don't we just zoom in there with the postmodern idea of yeah. things, money, and marriage. Yeah. Well, you know, Carl Truman's book, just talking about how people view themselves, really affects how they view everything around them, including the stuff that they have or the institutions that they don't believe are any bigger than themselves. Mm-hmm. Right? We step into marriage because we believe this is an institution that's beyond us. It's transcendent. God has set it up. He mm-hmm. set it up, and we step into his territory. Right? The modern postmodern worldview is just thinking, everything really is defined by my feelings, by what I think. I mean, we've seen the nuttiness of this mm-hmm. in our culture. We just are defining reality based on my preferences. Yeah. Right? Th- th- that's not how it works. Right? There is a God who has created us, and if all you have to do is look at the reality of experience, there are hard edges, right? Mm-hmm. The like, gravity is a hard edge, mm. right? They're just everything <laughs> in our world, pain is a, is a hard edge. We need to know that God is a God who doesn't allow us to be God, mm-hmm. and we cannot create our own realities. We cannot just to say, well, I'm going to be in this marriage as long as I want to be, or until it makes me, you know, not happy, or, uh, you know, I want to just do with my stuff or my money or my wealth, whatever I want, right? Because like you said, stewardship just completely obliterates that perspective. So a postmodern take on just about everything, at least this particular version mm-hmm. of postmodernism we're living in, uh, it, it, anything goes. Whatever you want to do, marriage, no marriage. Mm-hmm. Today, marriage is at an all-time low in terms of people participating in it. Mm-hmm. Right? Think about that. It's like, I don't care. But, you know, used to be that, no, God says, no, this is an institution. Your sexual uh, connections with people are mm-hmm. within the confines of this. That's not how it works. Mm-hmm. Right? We want to have sex. want to feel good. want to mm-hmm. have a dopamine shot in our brain. We do whatever we want that makes us feel good. Mm-hmm. And that's, that cannot be the way that we live. And we're starting to see a Romans 1 deterioration of mm-hmm. God giving people over to that kind of uh, degeneration. And they, they, they bear the penalty in their bodies, mm-hmm. in their life, in their minds, in society. We're living in a mm-hmm. day that by the time you're my age, I mean, just the, the, the corruption of society, I think, is going to continue to show the folly mm-hmm. of this this postmodern thinking. Right. Yeah. And, you know, when you look at healthy churches, you know, that are teaching biblical sexuality, the biblical, uh, biblical uh, foundation of the home, uh, you know, I do find that, because I have a lot of family and a lot of acquaintances who aren't godly and don't live according to biblical worldviews, it's like their lives, not that our life is just judged by how happy we are, but... You know, our lives, a lot of people at our church are just, they're fulfilled, they, they have a joy, they have this connection with their family and their community that I don't see outside of a good, faithful, biblical community. 
And that worldview, their worldview says, no, if you want to be happy, you got to do whatever makes you happy. But literally the the hard edges of this community is we just don't do whatever makes us happy. That's right. And it's like you got to eat the cake that you make. And, and when you tell a little kid, just put whatever you want in that thing, mix it up and throw it in there for as long as you want, mm-hmm. bake it up, do what you want. You got to eat that mm-hmm. because in reality, we're going to partake in the sum total of our decisions based on our worldview. Mm-hmm. And and I think people in your church, I got to interact with this week, man, there are a lot of people genuinely joyful. Doesn't mean that they, they don't have health problems, mm-hmm. financial problems, they don't have arguments in their marriage, but dude, they're living out the decisions that are decisions they wouldn't make if mm-hmm. they just were told, do whatever you want. It's like the one verse I shared in my parenting uh, lecture on Saturday, it's like a child left to him to, st- to himself, a disgrace to his mm-hmm. mother. Right? Just, it, you can't just do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, everything good comes when you are engaged in the discipline of saying no to doing whatever you want, to do mm-hmm. what you know is right. And what is right is not what you think is right. It's what God externally, it's alien mm-hmm. from you, has said, here's the way to do it. Here's how you deal with your sex life. Here's how you deal mm-hmm. with your mental life, your relaxation, your work life, you, everything. Right. It comes from God's instructions, and they're good. God's mm-hmm. laws are good. His, his moral standard is good. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, we reap that with satisfaction, joy, and it uh, doesn't mean we're the richest people on the block, because of course we won't be. It doesn't mean that we're, you know, whatever. We, it means that we find mm-hmm. satisfaction. It's the word we try to deal with on Sunday morning contentment. And mm-hmm. I think contentment comes when you're in sync with your creator and doing your best as God enables us to live according to his law. That's so good. Yeah. Pastor Mike, uh, life group leaders, I hope that you were blessed with uh, Pastor Mike, uh, Rick Talcott, uh, Pastor Lucas, and, and all of this weekend was, and we're praying that this is going to be good for your life groups, that as you guys are praying for your people, you're investing in them, that these resources that we gave them this week through teaching and through actual books and resources are going to be good for them. Uh, and so we're praying for you guys as you're leading, and we look forward to seeing what God's going to do in your life groups. Uh, we're going to end with some quick announcements. Uh, just a reminder, you will be getting application questions. We're going to email those out to you guys. You can shoot them out to your groups, and so they'll be have access to those. Uh, remember, baptisms are next week. If you have anyone in your life group who has not been baptized, encourage them, as I encourage a number of people in my group and even at church today. Hey, I know you said you got saved. Uh, this is what people do. Who get saved? They get baptized. Christians get baptized. That's right. That's right. And so have them, have them sign up. We would, we'd love to help work through through their testimony. Make sure it's a biblical testimony. And if it is, we just want to, we want them to celebrate that, and we want to celebrate what God's done in their and life. And the critic that's saying, "Oh, you can't say that." It's like us saying, "Hey, Christians, you need to pray." Hey, Christians, read right. your Bible. Hey, Christians, get baptized. Yeah. It's just what it's what God told us to yeah, do. Make disciples and yeah. baptize and baptize right. them. Right. Uh, and then, uh, again, Exploring Compass, uh, we have a pact. I mean, this is the, the largest Exploring Compass we've ever had, which just shows God's hand in our church as it's growing. But if you have anyone in your life group, which I'm sure you do, some of your groups more than others, who have not gone through Exploring Compass, that means they're not serving, uh, and we want them to be serving. We want to make sure they're saved and they're serving here at the church. So uh, and tell them, encourage them, hey, we want you to be at Exploring Compass. And then remember, in two weeks we have our churchwide monthly prayer night, and so make sure you're telling your group to commit to praying with us on Sunday evening at 5 to 6.30 on the last Sunday of this month. All right, Life Group leaders, we're thankful for you guys. We love you, and we cannot wait uh, to meet again next week. Mm-hmm.